Would you say flexing your muscles helps you with creating artwork? With creating artwork? Yeah. So, um, no is the answer, Daniel. Okay. <laughs> This is episode number 15 of the Let's Talk Retouching podcast. The show is brought to you by boutiqueretouching.com, but also learnpostproduction.com. Now take out your notebooks, as this episode is packed full of information for you to follow. So this is episode number 15. I'm happy to say the podcast is constantly growing and I'm really thankful for that. So it proves we are delivering what you want to listen to. And if you have not subscribed, subscribe to the podcast on Stitcher, on iTunes, wherever you are listening to the podcast. And before getting into the interview, I just want to say this is going to be a two-part interview as there was so much to talk about with this guest. I hope listening to the podcast brings you as much pleasure as I had interviewing our guests. So please welcome strongman of photography, Glenn Dewis. Is that, is that cool? Oh my God. It, it's nice of you to say. I mean, it's a few years ago now, but I'll definitely take that compliment. Okay. So, um, Glenn, can you introduce yourself to the few people that hopefully do not know you already? Because you are a book writer, photographer, educator. What else are you? Let us know. Oh, <laughs> well, basically, like you say there, Daniel, I'm a, a photographer, educator, author, pretty much kind of covers what I do generally. Used to do bodybuilding, but my kind of professional life, those three things there kind of covers it really. Um, do commercial work. I do a lot of presenting abroad. I do stuff at places like, you know, Adobe Max and uh, fortunate to do those kind of events. I've actually gone out soon to the States to go and do some filming for Westcott as well. Oh, nice. So, yeah, which I'm really looking forward to because it's um, things have really changed. We'll probably talk about this, at some, I'm sure, at some point, but things have really changed over certainly over the last maybe two years for me. Because I think before I was very much known only as being somebody that did retouching mm -hmm. with Photoshop. But it's good because we focus just a tiny bit here on the post-production side. So yeah. <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> I'm still doing it though. Okay, yeah. I'm still doing it. We're okay to carry we on We have there, to, right? right? <laughs> Absolutely. So could you imagine putting out images that are totally untouched? Not, not at all. I, do you know what? It's kind of funny you say that because obviously every now and again we hear these comments when people say that they're purists and they don't believe in kind of doing anything to their pictures when really, you know, it's, that's, they kind of quote people years and years ago, they never used to do that. Well, they did really. And, you know, this is a conversation I'm sure many, many people have had before. There was always been some kind of retouching, be it digitally or in the, in the actual analog in the dark room. So there's always been something. Yeah. With negatives, they cut out stuff, made masks and put it on yeah. to the lounger and stuff. Absolutely, that yeah. That was where retouching is coming from, basically, right? Absolutely, yeah, because it's, it's one of those things, isn't it, that, you know, what you see with your eye, when, then you, when you go behind the camera and take the picture, it's never going to look like you did see it physically with your yeah. eyes. So some people like to retouch to the point. In fact, in fact, Daniel, that was probably one of the best bits of advice I was ever given when it came to retouching people. Because uh, when, let's say if me and you now, if, if we could see each other, we'd kind of see each other's faces and wouldn't really pay that much attention to it. But if I was taking your portrait and then I bring your picture into the computer, 
computer, I have then got your face on my big screen right. and I then start to notice all the little things about your face. And we've all got little things about our face that, you know, we've got one eye bigger than the other or yeah. one eye smaller than the other or whatever. Yeah. It's then that you notice it. And the advice I was given was to retouch people's faces to how you remembered them looking when you looked at them without the camera being involved. Yeah. Obviously, you wouldn't remove things like, you know, permanent marks like moles or anything like that because I made a huge mistake when I first started doing that. I think we all go a little bit crazy when we're learning about retouching because we want to practice and apply everything we know about it. A friend of mine said it's part of the learning curve to overdo it. So just so you know where the boundary is. Exactly, yeah. And I think, to be honest with you as well, thinking about now now we're talking about that, the real skill with the retouching, and this is something I've kind of learned over the years, it's not necessarily the techniques or the individual techniques. The real skill is kind of knowing what techniques to put together yes. to get that end result. But the biggest skill is knowing when to stop. Yeah, it is. Especially when I browse the internet and see a lot of, like, let's call it beginner's work, that's often mm -hmm. the point that they go overboard and do too much because they have learned a certain technique and they just overdo it. Yeah, and maybe also there's kind of the latest technique to do and they kind of do that again and again and again. You tend to see certain techniques being used too much. Yeah. But again, it's literally just it's experience, isn't it? It's by doing a lot of it that eventually you start to see the point when you go, yeah, now I should stop. When we all first start doing this, we will all, all of us will do too much. But over time, a bit more experience comes into it, we then back off and we know when to stop. But yeah. that, you're only going to get to that point when you have experience. True. Also, I think it depends a little bit on the expectations that people go into their education. And we see it all over YouTube. YouTube mm -hmm. works good with, I show you this technique or show you this technique and they repeat this and use all the techniques they learned. So basically technique after technique, after technique, after technique, but mm. they miss the link between, as you said, when do I use which technique and for what Yes, and how yeah. much of it. And that's something yeah. that I find is pretty hard to to teach mm. it's kind of hard to to put it just in a video because it's too much information it is yeah it's hard to do it on a workshop because you cannot take care of every person and their background yeah and also with workshops daniel I, what i found was because i don't do so many of the workshops that involve photoshop now because when you say to people you know we're going to do a workshop and it's for people who are kind of like the intermediate kind of level mm -hmm. nobody's ever going to say oh yeah i don't know how to do that i'm a beginner people will always say when you say to somebody what level are you at they say oh i'm either intermediate or advanced when really they're not but then that's not their fault to say that because what is intermediate yeah they don't know right They, they yeah. cannot, so there's no level on how you can measure that. And for themselves, they already, they can only judge their level compared to the other people that they know of. So they are definitely much better than all their friends. And obviously then they are intermediate or almost pro level maybe, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. there's always someone that knows a lot more than you. Yeah. And that's a good thing, right? That's a good thing. But it's like you're standing in front of that wall but mm. you cannot see what's behind it, right? Yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I find that difficult. And it's kind of hard to for someone who's teaching the workshop or leading the workshop. Everyone is coming to the workshop, has different experiences, has a different level, has maybe a different field that they are specialized in, and they come mm. with an expectation to get out of the workshop maybe and know everything. Yeah. 
they obviously come and pay money to learn, right? Yeah. And it's really hard because you have just a certain amount of time to present basically at a workshop and mm. to dedicate to every person. And that's, yeah, it's really is hard. It is. I used to find that really frustrating when it came to doing workshops that involved Photoshop, because like you say, you're always going to get people that are at different levels and also people who are able to kind of learn new things at a different speed yeah. to everybody else. Yeah. Some people might not grasp it. But one thing I used to find really that didn't sit well with me with a workshop was because time just goes by so quickly yeah, when you're teaching this stuff, you get to the end of the session at the end of the day and in a perfect world you would want to be able to sit with every single person individually and say okay let's have a look at what you've done all right you might want to do this might want to change that there and oh look you've missed that bit you can't do that with everybody yeah. so i used to find that people would come along they'd go through all the steps and then they'd leave but then they're leaving there thinking okay so we've done this workshop i've learned this but am i doing it right i don't know so, and then that will just then carry on and carry on and carry on. So, you know, this is why people will more than likely become frustrated and not, maybe not progress as much as they want because they're not able to get that feedback and that guidance yeah. because it just takes so much time. Yeah, that's exactly right. The feedback or let's say feedback over a certain amount of time. Yes. Yeah. That helps you learn. So if you can find maybe something, let's call it that a mentor can mm. give you feedback yes. again and again and again, and you can judge your progress and mm -hmm. sort out all the little mistakes that really helps like to grow yeah yeah because i suppose if you're if you're just posting it online on social media expecting to get some feedback you know you might get some people that give you honest feedback some people might say something negative purely because they're jealous yes I and know. they don't want you to get better so you i think you're dead right there it's good to have a mentor that you would show stuff to yeah. for sure yeah it's it's difficult so i sometimes go into forums and groups and give advice but it's kind of hard so if you have not built a certain report to a person they are yeah. not really accepting your advice so so if you're a professional, you don't have a lot of time to invest and give free advice here and there and whatever. So mm. you give that advice, especially us Europeans, we are short and to the point and not sugarcoating everything. And then yeah. people are getting like, they invested so much time and effort into it. And you're saying like, hey, you should improve this and you should improve mm. this. And they're not accepting the critique, right? I got a, a perfect example of this. I remember a few years ago, I was out teaching in America and, and part of the actual event I was at, they asked me to do some portfolio reviews. Mm. So I would sat at a table. There were a group of other um, instructors there, if you like, who were kind of, people were coming in, sitting at the table and they would show you pictures. And I remember this one guy was, he, he had some great work, but he showed me some stuff. And obviously what you want to do is you don't want to just give them negative. You want to try and, they, they call it the sandwich effect, don't they? Yeah. Good, bad, good. So I'd say, you know, oh, I'm really liking this. This is a great angle you've taken out. And then I said, oh, you might want to think about maybe not having so much sharpening on that area there because it's making it look a bit sort of like degraded and it's really looking not very natural. And every single time I pointed out something that was constructive, the person in front of me would go, but I like it like that. Yeah. That's the accused, right? I like it, or that's my art, and yeah. But yeah, why are you asking for advice when you're not taking it? Well, any, right? I think I think really what what that person wanted, and I don't think it's wrong to su suggest that this is something that happens a lot, but. I think that particular person, all they wanted me to do was, as an instructor at this event, was to see their work and go, wow, you're amazing. Yeah. And, you know, really what they're saying is when they're saying, oh, what do you think of my work? 
really he was wanting me to tell him how good he was. When really that doesn't help anybody. Do you know what I mean? Looking for eagle pleaser, right? Yeah, possibly. Yeah, possibly. But, you know, I've always been somebody who's, you know, from day one, I've always looked at my peers, the people I looked up to, and I'll always go to them for advice because I've been doing this for a while now. I'm nowhere near where I want to be. I know there's always room for improvement. So if I show my work to some colleagues and friends of mine who are really, really established and whose work I love now, if they say to me, you might want to think about changing that. I'll go, ah, yeah. But I know they're offering that advice for the best reasons because they're good people. Yeah, it's really hard. It's like, um, I remember I had someone I've been doing a one-on-one session with. So I've Mm -hmm. been evaluating their knowledge in terms of duty retouching and looking at their work and how they are working basically. So really in depth, Mm -hmm. looking at the files, how they're structured, how they're working and how their dodge and burn technique is and sorting things out, how they can improve. And he was like, Mm -hmm. after the actual teaching session, he came like, it might be hard for me to implement this because my clients, they do not pay for that much time I would have to put into the images. And I was saying like, yeah, that's for the moment, but you need to practice this because it's kind of hard and taking you a lot of time now. But when you get over that, you train yourself through the process of how much you have to do and where you can save time. Yes, yeah. But that takes the time to doing it over and over again and not falling back into your shortcut routines, which didn't get you to the quality level you want. And half a year later, he messaged me back and he was saying like, dude, I'm so happy that I took this class and I've been, <laughs> I've been sitting aside time except from working for the clients and practicing on my own images for that. And now I got so much faster with doing that. Well, there you go. Perfect. Yeah. But it really takes time. And it's not like you can do this and all of a sudden, like it's putting in the time and learning it and discovering little bits and pieces of your own. And then you need someone mm. who might shift you into the right direction a little mm. bit so you can improve on yourself. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's just... It's the small things as well in researching that make the big difference, isn't it? So you might find, you know, the average person might find that they can get to the position that they want the picture to be in in quite quickly. But then there could always be something extra that you could do, some little thing that could really, and I hate to say the phrase, but it could take it to the next level. Yeah. I hate that phrase. Yeah, it is because what what is the next level, right? (laughs) Yeah. What levels are there? It's quite hard. So I remember when I started learning about beauty retouching and that mm-hmm. ties in with what you have just said is like, I've been going into forums and they had different people working on the same image, like beauty images. And someone was saying like about someone else's work, oh, yours is so much better than mine. And I'm so far away from your level at that time I was looking at the images and I was saying, I can't see no difference. Mm. And I couldn't. I was saying, like, how is this so much better? I was not there. I couldn't see what it takes to make something better. Yeah. Right? yeah. This is so much detailed that you have to have the insight knowledge, basically, to make out what the little mm-hmm. details are and how you can improve the quality. And that's similar to what you've said. Um, anyway, so considering you've been doing stuff before your photography and retouching career, yeah. What got you into taking pictures and what was your first point of contact with Photoshop and retouching? And now it's time for a little commercial break again. 
A little reminder, this show is brought to you by BoutiqueRetouching.com, our retouching studio, but also LearnPostProduction.com, a school we will eventually launch for you to learn everything about post-production. I would also like to inform you that on BoutiqueRetouching.com we are offering the masterclass. Closing date for the masterclass is October 15th. So if you have any intention of taking the masterclass, better head over to boutiqueretouching.com forward slash shop and buy or register for the masterclass. I, it would make me happy to know that some of our listeners would take the chance to participate in this. Now, some advertising for our guest. Lynn is putting out a new book. It is currently on pre-order already and you can get it on Amazon. The book is called Photoshop Workbook. As I said, you can get it on Amazon. I will put some links in the show description. So head over to boutiqueretouching.com forward slash strongman of photography. One word. And now let's jump right back into our interview with Glenn Dewars. So Glenn, please tell us more about how you got in contact with this magical application of Photoshop. Well, do you know what? It's not something I ever thought I would be involved in at all. But I remember my, I had an uncle in the family that was always the family photographer. I think every family's got somebody in the family that always is it, the one that's always taking the pictures. And this was my uncle Dave. And I remember this one time I'd already left home. This is probably about 11 or 12 years ago now. And I went to go and visit a member of my family and my uncle Dave was there and he had a laptop with him. And he remember he called me over because he knew that I liked I've always liked computers. Uh, and he said, oh, come and have a look at this. So I go to his computer and on the screen, he had a picture of one of our family members that he'd taken this portrait. And he says, check this out. I can get rid of red eye. No. And he clicked this button and the red eye. And I was like, magic. Wow. That is incredible. So this piece of software that he had, and only between me, me and you, Daniel, it was a copy. All right. It was a copy. I guess we all have a certain <laughs> copy of a certain application at yes, some point of time. Yes, that's right. So he had this, this version of Photoshop and I was like, that is incredible. So I had to get Photoshop. So I got myself a copy back in the day and then I started to kind of play around with What it. What kind of computers were that time? Well, I had my, my computer then, I think, if I remember rightly, we had a, I mean, it was Gateway, a Gateway computer. And I remember I had a 19-inch monitor. Yeah. What kind of processor was in there? Oh, I don't know. I think there was some guy on a steam engine there kind of trying to make it work. But Okay, because my, my first platform was a 268, like 33 megahertz. I, yeah, that's probably <laughs> way more than I had. Do you know what I mean? But I remember because I had this one when I first got it and organized it, the guys said, oh, yeah, you'll never need more than this. How wrong yeah. he was. Yeah. Um, but I had a 19-inch right? monitor. They certainly have. I had a 19-inch monitor that went back 38 inches, a huge thing. Uh, and that was it. I was hooked. I remember when there was like 21-inch monitors. They were so huge and so oh, heavy. Oh, yeah. yeah Tube monitors, right. obviously. Right? <laughs> like, oh. Yeah, huge things. But I, I kind of, I had the software. I, I'm my personality, I'm somebody who, if I find something that I like, I'm not the kind of person who just plays. I have to know as much as I can. Yeah. So I'll get every book, every magazine, I'll go on every course, I'll get every DVD, download everything. You dive fully into the topic, right? 
Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So I ended up going online because it was Yahoo then rather than Google. And I oh, typed yeah. in how to learn Photoshop. And then this organization called the NAPP, the National Association of Photoshop Professionals, that appeared on the screen. I joined them that night. I remember that. And then it literally was a few weeks later. I ended up going to America on my own, my first time ever to America on my own to go to this event called Photoshop World because they said, if you want to learn it, that's where you've got to be. So I went out there and kind of things progressed from there. I came back really motivated, started doing pictures for people and all the photographers started to know that I did Photoshop and I was getting sent client work for doing weddings and portraits. And I thought, hmm, I better register as a business here because people mm-hmm. start asking questions where the money's going to go. And asking for it. And it's kind of, right? kind of progressed from there, yeah. But I, at the time, Daniel, I didn't have a clue what I was – I didn't really know what I was doing. I knew my way around Photoshop, I guess. Yeah, it's just it kind of kind of moved on from there. I think we all keep learning and we all are guilty at some point. We, we are thinking like, I'm a master in so-and-so and master in Photoshop because I've been there as well. So I've been starting with, I think, CS2 was the first version I had. All right, okay. And I, I just got it because I was playing in a band and we needed T-shirts and flyers and stuff. So I was started messing around and trying mm. to figure things out. So that was my mm. first contact of because I kind of had to we had no money to spend i think i was uh, i was photoshop cs i think i was my my first mm -hmm. one but and we, we all do it don't we we'll start off doing the head swapping and all yeah. that kind of stuff yeah and, funny stuff and yeah, then yeah. i remember i had a time when i desaturated everything mm -hmm. and at some point i think for me it was like i don't know my images are not getting many better <laughs> it's like mm -hmm. i can play around with that so i thought like man maybe i should learn about photography mm -hmm. and photoshop yeah my transition there was because like i say i was always known as the guy that was doing photoshop and i was doing work with you know friends that we mentioned before we started recording like calvin hollywood and uh, olaf gearman and what have you and uli steiger and i kind of really enjoyed it but my attitude towards the actual um because obviously i was doing it for a business it is my my way of life and i was thinking yeah. that seeing how photoshop in particular was developing and also how plugins were developing i kind of made the decision that photoshop is a is, is massively important part of my day-to-day -day business life but i need to really concentrate on the photography for the for if i'm in this for the long term my photography needs to go up a notch and that's why when i released the when the first book was released i had a book called the photoshop workbook and that was published i think maybe about four years ago mm -hmm. three four years ago maybe and when that was released i kind of made the decision right now Now I need to kind of really push my photography as well so that I'm not only known as the guy who does Photoshop. I can see how it makes sense. So um, I've just recently been discussing, like, we see a lot of money thrown into AI development and mm -hmm. every company is investing in that. And obviously in Photoshop, there are tools that mm -hmm. are smarter than ever before, content-aware fill and whatever. Yeah. And there is probably a certain amount of work that, can be done by software at some point the stuff that i'm working in is so detailed that i don't think ai cannot do in the foreseeable future so uh, yeah and i think that's the key phrase there what you said there daniel that's the key phrase is what you said in the foreseeable future yeah. because there are things that you're doing there are things that i'm doing nowadays that maybe 10 years ago 15 years ago right. people would have said possible. oh well yeah. i'd never be i would never let photoshop do that i always want to do that myself or it'll never yeah. be able to do it and now we just take it as well that's just normal 
Yeah. It comes back to you cannot know what you cannot know, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But also with the development of technology comes mm -hmm. the ability to do new and exciting things, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm still curious to see what it is because we've been a little bit stagnating in terms of computers and phones and all that technology. And yeah. Yeah. Curious to see what, if there's something else that might influence us as much as a computer or as a smartphone has in the past. Yeah, I, I, like you said, we, we know you don't know what you don't know. But all I will say is I am, because I've always loved computers, I am genuinely excited about the future and what that's going to bring. Because as sure as anything, there are folks, because we get to see some of the little snippets when we're at Adobe Max and what they're working on. And some of it you think, well... A, it is incredible, some of the stuff they're working on. But secondly, you think, how on earth did they even think of that? What made them even think of doing that? So there are some amazing things, but I think AI is definitely going to play a huge part in what we do. But even at the moment, I'm quite enjoying the AI that we get with Lightroom. Uh, with Lightroom CC with a keywording, because I'm terrible for keywording my images, whereas now I don't need to. So just that alone is very clever. I don't need to do that at all. So no, <laughs> that, that's <laughs> the good part of my my work. I get I'm getting sent a few images, just a handful of images usually, and mm. retouch them and send them back. So I don't really care about a library or anything because it's mm. all project based. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't need it. No, it's just it is tedious, which is why probably why they actually brought that in so soon because they know that people nowadays with digital cameras, you know, you take thousands and thousands of pictures a year to try and find what you want, and certainly on your mobile phones now that we're taking pictures every single day, and before you know it, there are thousands. Yeah. So just to be able to find pictures on your own phone is oh, yeah. incredibly handy using the AI. Oh yeah. I'm just thinking about how many images I have on my phone. It's incredible. I dread to think how many you've got then. <laughs> I, I don't know. See, now, see, when you're looking for a picture, you'll be, you'll be glad of AI. Yeah. I've never <laughs> sorted my phone out for the past three years, actually, not once. Oh, wow. Good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> so what helped me with taking fewer pictures is uh, I started taking analog pictures. I go out with just one roll and take 10 images and that's it. Wow. Yeah, I would never consider that on a commercial job that I would no. take. So, but it helps you to slow down and to just think. Yeah. And that, that's the, probably the best. I mean, I, some of the advice I told you that I had earlier on was about retouching somebody so they look like they did when you looked at them without the camera. But another piece of advice I was given, what you just mentioned there was about slowing down. The digital age can create that urgency and that want to quickly retouch it and post it onto social media. Yeah. And But the danger there is that you miss things, isn't it? And once you've put it online True. and people have seen it, it's too late. So, you know, one of the best bits of advice I was ever given was to just slow down. And I, my, I, I really do work at a very controlled, slow kind of pace, particularly when I'm doing the photos, because if I get hired to do photos, it's very rarely that they want more than 15 pictures in a whole day. Yeah. And then we'll be retouching them and just, I like that slow control pace. Yeah, but you want to make sure that everything is at best it can, right? And to make double Absolutely, sure yeah. that it's safe, right? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So, um, but what I'm interested in is like, um, so you you're got introduced to Photoshop quite early on in the early stages. Mm -hmm. So, and taking up a camera, what do you think when you learn photography and 
Photoshop was it equally or was it that one has taken over the other? And for me, I remember it went back and forth. I started with Photoshop and was buying a camera to get better pictures mm -hmm. and the pictures were not better and my ability mm -hmm. to play around with them was limited. So I dived deeper into that and then I learned a little bit more about what good images are and took mm -hmm. better pictures and so it went back and forth. So how was it for you? I guess, I guess pretty much done. It's probably the same for me. But like I kind of said earlier on, is I'm one of these people that when I get an interest in something, I have to give it everything. I have to try and become the best I possibly can be at it. So, you know, I, I get my first camera and when I first get the camera, it's because I, I wanted more images that I could take for myself to then practice on and play with. I, then I started to realize I was doing stuff in Photoshop to the pictures that maybe I wouldn't have had to do had I taken yeah. the picture correctly. Right. So then I'd be spending more time working with the camera, getting the light right, getting the composition right. I think now, I've, over the years, I've progressed that, and I am, I'm certainly very happy with how my photography is, and I know I can get better, but I don't think I've ever been in a position like I am now where I've, I've never been this happy with how my photography and my retouching is gelling together so I'm really, I'm really enjoying it now. But I, people say, what are you now? I think my, I used to say I'm a retoucher. Now my first thing would be I'm a photographer. But retouching is still part of it. Exactly. For a certain amount, it is super bound together. Yes. And so is it for you now? Do you know you're retouching? You know that how to do the photography to not having to fix stuff that you could have done I, in camera, right? So you can just focus on enhancing. I remember I, going back a few years now, there were certain people that I used to kind of follow and I, used to, I became friends with. And I remember one in particular, I always remember him saying that when he's taking the picture, in his mind, he can see the finished edited picture. And I'm like, what? Now I hear that, I think, yeah. But at the time I was thinking, no, you can't. You're just, you're just saying that to sound all very arty. But now I get what he means because now when I'm taking my picture, because I'm taking so much time with the styling, with the lighting, I know exactly what that picture will look like when I've finished. Yeah. When I've actually got the actual out-of-camera image and when I've taken it through Photoshop, I know how I want that and I know how that will look. Yeah. And it's, I find that really exciting. I also think... It is super valuable when you get to the point when you sit down and work on an image to know mm -hmm. where you want to end up instead of trying to mess around and trying different techniques. Yes. You know where you want to end up and now you all have to do is to figure out, okay, what takes me to there? And that there, that links in really well with what we talked about at the start here. When most people, when they start out, they overdo things because yeah. when they get their picture on the computer and they sit there and they look at it and go, right, what shall I do to this? And they do this, they do that, they do this. Whereas people like yourself, me, the listeners, you'll get your picture on the screen and you know what you want it to look like. So then you just go ahead and you apply those steps and those techniques to get you that final result. And that's probably because we know already, before we've even started, what we want it to look like. That's so true. But for me, for a retouching business, that's actually the hardest part to figure out because it's usually not up to me to decide for that. So it's hard to put this into words. So a client comes with certain expectations. The hardest is to figure out where mm. do they have to end up for that client. So <laughs> that's super hard to communicate. 
with the way that you work, Daniel, it'll be very different to me then because you need to have a lot of kind of consultation time with your clients so that you fully understand what their vision is, I take yeah, it. Yeah, that's the hard part because some of them, they cannot put it into words exactly. Yeah, yeah. Because visual does not always relate into technical mm -hmm. terms that well. And sometimes you have to make certain drafts in terms of the look. Mm. So I start spending time on developing two or three looks for the image for them to decide. But I also have to think ahead how I can create those looks and have no retouching done. So I still will be flexible in terms of doing the skin retouching and all that stuff. I'm really intrigued. I feel I need to ask you a question here. Okay. When you're when you're doing your retouching and you kind of you know what looks good and all that kind of stuff, but have you ever found yourself retouching a picture and then your client says, "I want you to change this, this, and this," and then when you change it, you think, "I don't like that. I want it to be like this." Do you, that must be a real yeah, challenge. That happens. that happens. At the end, the client has to be happy. But the thing that once happened is I was working at a project, and usually what I do is when I get a series of images like let's say a beauty or fashion image uh, series that is pretty similar. So I have to develop one basic look for the images and then I have the look approved. So I know I can do all the images on a set in the same way without okay. having any changes. So And he approved that and I was going on and he was on travel and I was continuing on the images and then he wanted to see some other images and I sent, sent the next two or three and then we were basically on a deadline mm -hmm. and I haven't heard back from that point so I continued working on the project and after I sent all the images over he was like make them look more like this and mm -hmm. then you have to figure out okay he's sending images and the images I'm looking at they're all looking differently so what is that particular thing he sees as the similarity between these images and I have to figure out if I can make this and I was sending another set of images made some changes and at some point I was sitting down okay I'm starting from the raw processing again creating another look and oh, he was wow. saying oh I like that better and I was like I'm <laughs> not gonna do that I just I cannot I cannot start every image from scratch doing all the skin retouching again because yeah, yeah. it's just not possible anymore so if he had in the, in the beginning sent me all that stuff over and I was like I cannot finish that job like this it's just not mm. I, I cannot do that in one day or something Wow. So that was super frustrating. Um, it's hard to put that in words, especially for people who consider outsourcing their retouching for the first time. Um, mm -hmm. They've never developed this language or way of communicating what they want. They just want mm -hmm. something that's better that they can produce. Okay, yeah, it must be very, very difficult. That it's must a, be very yeah, difficult. it's it's the most difficult part is like figuring out what what someone wants usually. <laughs> yeah, the the retouching <laughs> is easy. Actually, yeah. <laughs> if you have your dodging, and burning, and healing, cloning, masking, and all that stuff down, that's that's the easy part. It, I mean, it takes time, but the other stuff is always the the big variable in figuring mm -hmm. out what to do. Unfortunately, today's episode already comes to an end. Next episode, we will deep dive into everything Glenn is doing, what hardware he's using, what software he's using, how his workflow is structured, and a little bit of business information. I really hope to see you in the next episode or hear you. And until then, see you next time. Please also consider subscribing to the podcast. And I would really appreciate reading one or two reviews on iTunes or 
leave us a comment on the website. I would really appreciate if you have a conversation about all the topics we discuss here. So head over to boutiqueregion.com and maybe go to the questions section that is specifically for you to engage with us, ask questions, we will answer them there and maybe also in some podcast episodes. Would you say flexing your muscles helps you with creating artwork? With creating artwork? Yeah. Flexing your muscles? Not really. I wouldn't say flexing because men can't concentrate on more than one thing at once. So when oh, you say to them, I need you to flex, I need you to flex your biceps, but don't just do your biceps. You've got to do your calves, your quads, your, your, your stomach. It's like, mm-hmm. I can't concentrate. And you've also got to look at the camera and you've got to smile. It's like, forget it. I can do one of those things. So, um, yeah. and by yeah, the way, maybe flexing them off so this isn't the best way. By the way, that was the odd question that I'm going to use. Right? <laughs> <laughs> the yeah, very sneaky there. Yeah. Very sne- <laughs> <laughs>